Welcome in to episode six of Off the Record. This one is a special one, March Madness edition of Off the Record. This is the first tournament in two years. Obviously didn't have one last season because of COVID crash in the parade. Virginia was the last team to win March Madness back in 2019. So the stage is set. We are ready and we have our brackets with us. Kirsten Kroll here joined alongside Alexis Downey. Alexis, how excited are you? It's tournament time. I am so excited. Obviously, I wore my special shirt for it today even. Um, my team is, you know, likely going to be in that first round. He's one of the last four teams in, in Michigan State. So I am, I'm feeling good. Um, it's interesting because this tournament, I feel like has such a weight because we didn't get one last year. So I'm just excited that we've gotten to this point. And also to note, it's the first tournament without Duke or Kentucky since the 1970s, which is pretty wild to even think about. Yes, and you know what? I do consider myself a bandwagon Duke fan because- You were gonna say it. I knew that was gonna be the team. <laughs> yes, I am considering myself a bandwagon Duke fan because Matthew Hurt from Rochester, Minnesota, my hometown, plays for Duke, all-star player. So I, I cheer for him. I watch Duke solely for that reason. Will I cheer for Duke when he's gone? Probably not, but for the time being, I am, so I'm a little bummed that Duke didn't make it because I thought it would be really exciting to see him in his sophomore season playing in the tourney, but there's always next year, right? Still crazy though that Duke and Kentucky aren't in it, but you guys, like we mentioned, this episode all about March Madness, we're going to be talking a lot about brackets and breaking down each region, and one of the important things before we get started, we have to talk about the method behind the madness. Alexis, how did you decide what teams you were picking when you filled your bracket out? So if we're being honest, my bracket is not done. It's sitting right next to me and I've got almost all of it done, but there's a couple matchups that I really just can't decide. Maybe I'll flip a coin for them. I've done that in the past, but I kind of go by what I've read on the internet in terms of some of like the sports writers and just watching throughout the season, which teams I get a good feel for. I love to pick some upsets here and there, um, but I try to generally stick with my basketball knowledge for when I pick the games. And for me, I played basketball a little bit in middle school. So I know the rules of the game really have been indulged in the hockey world, haven't followed basketball as much as I would like to. So for me, I really just go for gut instinct as well as some other random factors when I'm filling out my bracket. Um, I got mine right here. You guys can't read it. So you will figure out my picks as we go along. But really the method to my madness, I did not look at any of the seedings when I filled this out. I looked at the records and I just kind of went gut instinct, like, hmm, this team sounds interesting. I'm going to pick them. And then once I got to the bottom of the list, my last two teams that were at the very bottom, my printer cut off the second team so I could only see the top team. So that's why I picked the top team. I'm like, well, I'm just too lazy to look up the <laughs> other half of this matchup. So I'm going to go with the one that I can see. And I also really like to key in on those upsets, you know, because of March Madness and just the nature of it. There are going to be Cinderella stories. I really just try to search within for what team I think 
is going to make a run for it in the tournament and pull off those upsets. That is why we love March Madness. We are here for the upsets. My bracket hopefully reflects that, but will be busted probably within the first hour. You can guarantee that for most people that do fill out brackets, but I think we should jump right in. What do you think? Yes, and I think we should start with the West region. Alexis, I'm going to tee you up for this one. Tell us what are some of the things to look out for. All right, so West, we've got Gonzaga at the top, number one, number one seed overall in the tournament. Um, Probably the favorite to win the tournament if they can stay undefeated, which would be, first of all, incredible if that happened. The last team to stay undefeated and win the national championship was in 1976 with the Indiana Hoosiers. They went 32-0, which is mind-boggling, especially in today's basketball, because how it has evolved over the years to be undefeated is just incredible. So this is the fifth time um, since then that a team has entered the tournament undefeated. the past two times that the Zags were number one, they lost in the title in 2017, and then they lost in the Elite Eight in 2019. So a lot riding on the team coming into this tournament. Um, they're a very efficient team on the offense, and they can step up their D when they need it. If you watch Gonzaga at all, then you know that about them. And then you also know that they have some star talent on that team, and uh, that that's going to really lead them throughout this tournament. Um, But also to note in that region, Iowa is at number two, Kansas at three and Virginia at four. Just naming the top four because there's a lot of teams and I don't feel like I need to name them all. But of course, with those teams, when you look at Iowa, they've got Luca Garza, the guy that everyone knows, Big Ten man of the year. Um, He averages nearly 24 points a game. You You see him on the court, he's just absolutely relentless, putting up shots, just doing it on both ends of the court. Iowa has also won seven of their last eight games. So coming into this tournament, they are hopeful, of course, but um, I think the fact that they're in Gonzaga's region is a little bit tough. Um, Some people do expect them to potentially exit early. We will see, I think um, they're, you just don't know you really don't know so and then also looking at kansas and virginia they did not play in their conference tournaments because of some covid 19 issues on their teams so they have kind of a little bit i wouldn't say necessarily catching up to do but because they didn't have the tournament time uh they have had a little bit of rest um and i'm just really excited to see how this west region plays out It's going to be interesting for sure. And I know there's a projected upset going on in this region as well with UC Santa Barbara being a team to look out for in the first round, potentially taking a win over Creighton. Not to give any spoilers, but for the sake of my bracket, I hope that does not happen. Um, Because that would be real bad for me. (laughs) The Gauchos are 22 and 4 coming into the tournament with 18 wins in their last 19 games, four consecutive 20 win seasons. And coach Joe Pasternak, this is his first appearance. So it's, there's a lot set up for them, and it's going to be interesting to see. And with that team, I personally picked them over Creighton because of their dominance. Um, I, I'm excited 
about them. You know, you have to kind of look for a Cinderella story in each of these regions. Maybe they won't make it past, you know, that second round, but first round, I, I have them picked personally. But another team that is potentially more of an upset team comes in Ohio University, who will be facing off against number four, Virginia. And we have some players to watch throughout this. So in my pick for player to watch in the West region, I picked kind of someone that, you know, is more under the radar because I could have easily picked Luca Garza or anyone on Gonzaga or, you know, any of these other players, but I decided to pick Jason Preston of Ohio University. Granted, I am from Ohio, so I do have that connection, but I think his story in itself kind of speaks for the kind of player he is. He um, didn't intend to play college basketball. He kind of ended up in playing AAU and eventually made it to prep school where OU decided, you know what, we want to offer this guy, we want to get him on our team, play college basketball. So the fact that Preston didn't even want or didn't even realize he was going to be playing college basketball and is now is in March Madness is pretty incredible. Um, he averages almost 17 points per game, around seven assists and nearly seven rebounds per game. So definitely a fun guy if you're looking for more of an underdog to watch out for. We definitely love cheering for those underdogs. At least I know I do, especially. I'm happy that you highlighted him. Great player to look out for this tournament. And Alexis, before we move on to our next region, we got to give our final pick in the West. I'm going to let you go first. All right, so I pick Gonzaga. I'm cheering for them. I, I want to see them stay undefeated. I think they can stay undefeated. I think they are definitely the most dominant team in this region. Um, I'm on the opposite end. My <laughs> final team coming out of the West is Creighton. So oh. I really need that UC Santa Barbara upset to not happen. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. That's, that's an interesting pick. Okay. I just, again, the method to the madness, got to go with the We're gut fine. feeling. I had a gut feeling about Creighton. So we got to hold off on the upset alert, at least in the West region. So now we are going to go ahead and move on to the South. And the stage is set here, you guys. The number one seed is Baylor with a 22-2 and two record. This is their first time ever as a one seed. And they are the favorite for the title coming into this season. Uh, they did have a three-week pause due to COVID and that was back in February. So that puts them at a little bit of a possible disadvantage. Um, and then the top four teams here in the South, we got Ohio State at number two, Arkansas at number three, which I know we've mentioned a lot. We've talked about them a handful and then Purdue at number four. So it's going to be a really competitive region right here. And you look at Ohio State University, the Ohio State <laughs> University. They have the nation's best free throw shooter, CJ Walker, at 95.7%. And as a lot of people like to say, those free throws are so, so important. So that's going to be a huge threat that OSU has. And Purdue, on the opposite end, a very defensive team. You know, Alexis, what they say about defense. Defense wins championships. Do I think it Purdue sure will win the championship over, you know, getting past, per se, Baylor? I don't know 
about that, but they are historically a great basketball program. So I guess we'll see. But I think in this region, particularly a matchup that um, could happen, very likely will happen, that I'm excited to see is between North Carolina and Baylor in the second round. Um, you know, this is going to be a game if, you know, Baylor beats Hartford and UNC beats Wisconsin, that UNC's front court versus Baylor's back court. We both, we know about how each of these teams are known for, and that is almost the perfect matchup in a basketball game, because if one side is, not playing their best, then it's easily going to go in the favor of the other side. So also UNC has a very young team. Baylor's got a lot of veterans. So if we do get to see that matchup, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I agree. And I'm looking at my bracket again and I'm just kind of like, do I have time to change some things <laughs> now that we're talking about this a little more? But you know, and this is going off on a tangent. I remember back in the days of watching Mike and Mike on ESPN way back when it was on, they called this thing the sheet of integrity. So I already filled mine out. I think it would just be wrong of me to change anything. So I guess we got to stick with what we've got. <laughs> but another player to watch out for in the South is big man Travion Williams of Purdue. He's very overlooked in the Big Ten. Six foot ten junior center. He surpassed 20 points eight different times this season. And I think is gonna be a huge factor in helping the team get through early on. Absolutely, because there are so many other great big men in the Big Ten. That's one of the things that they always produce so many of them. I know, especially with Michigan State, we've had some we've had some great big men in the past, Nick Wards, um, Xavier Tillman, so just a couple names on my end, but I, I think he's going to play a big factor in Purdue's game. And so let's get our final four pick from the South region. Kirsten, tell me yours, because I'm really interested after hearing the first one from the West. I'm sweating, I'm nervous. <laughs> um, well, if you guys must know, Again, my method to the madness, I'm all about those upsets. I have UNC going to the final four. And you know, historically that wouldn't necessarily be so surprising because UNC is the basketball school. Um, I can't say in the state of North Carolina because that would upset a lot of Duke fans, but uh, I, you never know, I guess. Um, so I, this is one of those teams that, as I sit here with a mostly filled out bracket, not quite. <laughs> um, a lot of people have been talking about Ohio State. I, I don't know if I wanna pick them for my final four. I think I'm gonna go with Baylor in the long run because you know they did end up with two losses entering the tournament. And I've talked about them in the past, but just an incredible group of guys on the court, a bunch of great starters. So I think that I'm going to stick with Baylor on this one. Sticking with your guns. I, do, I am. In, in the interest of that, I have Ohio State in the Elite Eight, but that's as far as they're getting in my bracket. So we're. I think that might be one thing early on we're kind of on the same page about. Right, right. I, it seems like it. So, but okay, jumping to the next region in the East region. I had to take this one because my Spartans are going to be in this region, barring a win um, Thursday night against UCLA, which is going to be a very good game, I must add. 
those uh, the last four teams in, two of those teams being them. Um, a matchup that is kind of a shame that it's, you know, that clinching to get into the tournament. Um, but I think Michigan State's going to pull that out. So, but anyways, looking at the East region, on the other side, Michigan, number one at 20 and four. Um, I really have to give props to Jawan Howard, how he has elevated his alma mater. He's really done such a phenomenal job. And I was just hearing today, actually, that he is on the radar of a lot of NBA teams because they, they've seen what a great job he's done at Michigan to potentially bring him up to the big leagues. But I think that, I don't know if I see that happening just yet. Michigan is gonna wanna finish some of the business that they've created in this uh, college basketball landscape. But anyways, so Michigan unranked coming into this season, incredible 11 and 0 start. You really can't deny it. I can't deny it as a Spartan either. They've been playing really well. Um, they have a phenomenal freshman that is one of the biggest guys I've seen on a basketball court. Uh, but the one thing that is going to hurt them, Isaiah Livers is out with a foot stress fracture. So I'm not sure how that will affect their game. And they aren't necessarily the favorites in this region because of that loss. Uh, he might make it back at some point in the tournament but it's not sounding too likely. Um, but at number two, Alabama, and we're gonna talk a lot more on that later. We have a special interview with Drew Carter, and he's going to talk about Alabama basketball. Uh, Texas is at three and Florida State at four. I think Texas is gonna be a team that will be someone to look out for as well in this region. But I don't know, Alabama too is, is dangerous after seeing them play in the SEC tournament. So um, we will just, we'll, this is definitely one of the regions that I think is, is a heavy one. Um, it's kind of up for grabs between these top teams. I agree. This is kind of just a jam-packed region the more I look at my bracket. And another first round <laughs> matchup that again, has the stage set LSU versus St. Bonaventure in the first round. I think it's going to be a good one, Alexis. The Bonnies have five solid starters, but they do have a lack of a bench. So they're going to have to avoid foul trouble. And on the opposite end, LSU plays an up-tempo offense versus the Bonnies strong defense. And uh, I do think the Bonnies are going to come out on top in this one. I do have them winning over the Tigers. And I think that's kind of an unpopular opinion. I do as well. I, I picked the Bonnies here, um, LSU, probably wanting to avenge, you know, losing that SEC tourney game in the last minute. Um, but I picked the Bonnies. They're they're a solid team, and I, I think when you get into the tournament and you have that that structure that they have in their starters and that confidence that they're a solid pick here. Um, but in looking at our player to watch in this region, you know, I, I had to go with someone that is pretty widely known in James Bonite of UConn. He is unbelievable. He is a fantastic basketball player, sophomore guard averaging around 20 points per game and he's an 80% free throw shooter. Um, 
second leading scorer in the Big East. So someone that's really made a difference for UConn this season. He was out in January with um, an elbow injury. And when he was out, the Huskies had a little bit of trouble. And, you know, that shows what a big role he plays on the team and the impact that he can make. So I think if he's playing well, and we will hear more about that potential UConn-Alabama matchup that could happen in the second round um, from Drew, but uh, I think the, he's someone to keep your eye on. Agreed, and I do have Bama and UConn in that second round, so. Well. We'll see. And Alexis, this region in particular, I need to know your pick. Are you going with your alma mater or is there somebody else who really has been sticking out to you in the East? Okay. So again, another region I don't have filled out yet because I really am kind of leaning in between Texas and Alabama, but I think I'm going to pick Bama as my final four pick. Uh, Michigan State will beat BYU. You heard it here, but I don't know if they're going to necessarily advance after that. We'll see if Aaron Henry's on his game. I hope so. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I think I'm going to go Bama. Who do you have, Carson? I feel like you and I very recently over these picks have really just been on the same page. Because in a not so surprising pick for me, I do have Bama going to the Final Four. Um, I have them facing off against Michigan in the Elite Eight. So I, I'm feeling confident about this Bama team. I don't think we're going to see too much of an upset there in the East. The final region is the Midwest, and the number one seed in the Midwest is Illinois with a 23-6 overall record. They're the first team back in the tourney in eight years, and they've won their last 14 of 15 games, which arguably makes them the hottest team in America. Alexis, I want to get your thoughts on that, and I'll let you guys be the judge of that as well. And they've also got a star player on their squad as well in guard Ayo Dosumu, and he's potentially the leader for national player of the year. And this team is a favorite to potentially also win it all. So that's another thing that I would love to get your guys' takes on. Then looking at the rest of this region, Houston's at number two, WVU at number three, Oklahoma State at number four. Houston, they've got a really, really great defense. I want to know, Alexis, what are your thoughts on this region? So I think that this is probably the most controversial reason, region for the reason that they put Illinois and Oklahoma State having to meet potentially in the Sweet 16. We saw the performance that Oklahoma State had um, during the Big 12 tournament. They have a star in Cade Cunningham. And, you know, if you know anything about college basketball, you know that Cade Cunningham coming into this season was potentially going to be a star at Oklahoma State. They also appealed their postseason ban, and that has what has gotten them into the tournament. So really happy that Cade has this opportunity with the team. But the fact that Illinois and Oklahoma State could potentially meet up in that Sweet 16, I think is really unfair of you know the committee to put this together like that because those are two teams that are so hot and I'm really having a hard time picking who I would want to win that game. Um, this this is our matchup of the region for that reason. Cade Cunningham versus Io. Like it, this is the ult This is the game that you want to see. Um, 
both guys just being star shooters and all around great players. So um, I, I'm excited to see what happens between these teams, particularly in this region. Um, also, like you mentioned with Houston in elite defense, you know, that's going to really help them um, at the bottom of the region. But they could run into some some trouble with, you know, if San Diego State makes it through that first round into the second round, they're going to play very likely West Virginia. Um, West Virginia kind of had a little bit of a little bit of a slump and lost some games throughout the season, but it's tournament time, so we really don't know what's going to happen. So that those are my thoughts on the Midwest region. We really don't know what's going to happen. And Alexis, again, you mentioned it, Kate Cunningham and IO, obvious reasons they are the players to watch. I want to know who is your final four pick coming out of the Midwest? Um, so people probably just think I don't fill out my bracket because this is another region that I don't have quite yet finished uh, for the reason because of that Illinois-Oklahoma State game. Um, I think... I want to go with Illinois because, you know, I, I live in the state of Illinois. I'm really excited to see a Big Ten team playing at the high level that they are. They're actually the team in the tournament as a number one seed that has the most amount of losses. But when you watch them, they don't really portray any type of, you know, defaults in those losses from the season. So I would love to see a Big Ten team reach the final four because I hadn't picked one in the other regions, so I think I'm going to go with Illinois, and I hope that they can represent the Big Ten very well. Ah, uh, well, Alexis, <laughs> you guys are either going to love me and have mad respect for me, or you're going to think I am just crazy. This is arguably my most controversial pick yet. Okay. Almost more controversial than Creighton coming out of the West. But in the Midwest, I have Loyola as my final Wow. Okay. So mad, mad upset. Again, I do think later this week, between tomorrow and Friday, we're going to see some huge upsets. And that's the method to my madness. I'm... Throw it away, like <laughs> upsets. That's what March Madness is about. I'm sticking with it. Loyola, Midwest. You know, and Loyola did shock people a couple years ago and did make it to the final four. They had a great Cinderella story. Um, and also to note, Sister Jean is going to the tournament. So really exciting for Loyola um, to have her there because she is their good luck charm. So you don't know, maybe she will bring them luck once again uh but you know that was a lot to unpack i'm sure everyone has so many varying different opinions about this so our brackets maybe don't listen to some of the picks we have because especially we're especially not me <laughs> we're, we're going, Jean, i need you I you know need it, you. it's one of those things that you kind of pick from the heart or you pick from the stats and it's it's one or the other but i i'm just so excited that we have basketball in march i am too and that leads me into a question i want to ask you alexis and i think it's fitting for me to ask this question is the number one seed cursed? I know, at least in my bracket, 
I don't really have the number one seed advancing and getting upset in that first round. So what, what do you think? Well, stats say that they have not, the number one seed has not won in eight years. So that's kind of a long time, but I think it can happen. Um, is the number one seed cursed? Uh, I'm going to say no, I don't think so. It is a lot of pressure, but I think it's what you make it when, you know, when you're playing in your head. So if, if you have that mentality of we, we have to do this, we we're the number one seed, like, how do we get through this? Um, I think that kind of leads to bad play. So in terms of all these different regions, if, if you look at Gonzaga, the overall number one seed, I think they show a lot of poise and I don't think that they could, they could be a team that shows that their number one seed is not cursed. Interesting take. Well, I'm on the opposite end. I do think the number one seed is cursed and I have a personal vendetta actually against the number one seed, not so much in the NCAA men's basketball tourney, but in the NCAA men's ice hockey tourney. And because When you look at St. Cloud State, my alma mater, rooting for them so hard, two years in a row, number one seed, excellent team, was a favorite to potentially win it all. First against Air Force as the number one seed, knocked out in the first round by the number six team. Okay, well, try again next year, right? Try again next year against AIC. Who's AIC? I didn't know until... They knocked St. Cloud State again out of the first round and they were another favorite. So is the number one seed cursed? Yes, it is. Personal vendetta against it. I don't want any of my teams to be the number one seed. Maybe it's just too much pressure. It, it is a lot of pressure. And, you know, I, I per, off the top of my head, I can't remember the first time a um, number one or the last time a number one seed has lost in the first round. I'm sure it was of recent, but... Could any of these number one seeds lose in the first round? Well, Alexis, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> That's true. Um, for, quickly, let me just triple check because I threw my bracket on the ground. So I'm just gonna pick this back up. But so yes, two of my most controversial picks, I have Gonzaga losing in the first round as well as Illinois. Wow. Um, as far as other number one picks go, I have Michigan going to the Elite Eight. And then I have Baylor get knocked out in the Sweet 16. So I have Gonzaga losing in the first round. Wow. Oh, wait. No, I take that back. I lied. I lied. False alarm. No, they are going to the Sweet 16. Yes, they're going to the Sweet 16. But they lose to Creighton. They lose to Creighton. Unless you are a Norfolk State or Appalachian State, depending on who wins that game, unless you're one of their fans, you might be the only person in America, I was about to say, that have picked them losing the first I'm sorry for the heart attack. I lied. I lied. Gonzaga will not. But just Illinois. Illinois will get knocked out in the first round. Okay. Drexel. Yes, we will see. But... Again, lot to unpack, lot to look forward to that is starting so soon. Um, 
but you're not going to want to go anywhere because like I mentioned earlier, we have a special guest in Drew Carter coming up after the break. He's going to break down all about Alabama basketball and a little bit about Syracuse as well. You'll find out more after the break. Welcome back to Off the Record. We are joined not only by a very special guest who we are honored to have on this week's show, but someone who's a little hard to get a hold of and our very first guest ever on Off the Record. I would like to introduce Drew Carter to the show. Drew, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like the pressure is on, you know, first guest, you keep saying how excited you are to have me. You give me a hard time about how it's hard to get a hold of me, which I got to say, I resent that. You know, I hear that from people sometimes, but those are the people who, you know, it doesn't mean quite as much. This is this is one of the most important things I've ever done, being the first <laughs> guest on Off the Record. So this means a lot to me. I'm sorry if I was unresponsive, but let's do it. I'm here now. That's all that matters. You did tell me you couldn't sleep last night because you were yes. so excited to come on the show. And, you know, you just happened to take a few hours to text back per text. So, I mean, it's fine. It's water under the bridge now, honestly. We're just very happy to have you here. And we have a lot, a lot we want to get through with you. Let's do it. And are we going to talk about uh, Syracuse versus Michigan State in 2018 at all, Alexis? Because I see you in the March Madness gear right now. So if you want to. Uh, I would prefer not to talk about it personally. I tried to not think about that night, that day. It was a long day. It's really far in the past now. I think we can get over that and we can talk about some Alabama hoops instead. Cool. Nice transition. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So, Drew, obviously you cover a lot of Alabama sports all around, but we're going to talk obviously about March Madness. So coming into the tournament, Alabama did have a little bit of an argument to potentially get a number one seed after winning the SEC tournament. What do you think about where they are seeded and particularly in that East region? Well, we know now that Alabama was the top two seed, and that makes a lot of sense. You know, if you look at the one through 68 that the selection committee released, Alabama was number five. And this isn't going to be any solace for Alabama fans, but my opinion is that there are more like five one seeds this year and three two seeds as opposed to four and four, which you see in the bracket. Now, obviously, they're still in a region with a one seed in Michigan, but I think Alabama was clearly rewarded for being the top two seed, getting matched up in Michigan's region. And I'm sure you're going to love hearing this, Alexis, but I don't think Michigan is very scary in this tournament, to be frank. You know, they're missing Isaiah Livers, who's one of their best players, and they're kind of skidding in to the NCAA tournament. Compare that to Alabama, who has done everything possible for them in their league. They go 16-2 and in conference play, which matches their all-time record, which they set back in 87, 16 SEC wins. They win the SEC tournament title in thrilling fashion over LSU, a team they've now beaten thrice this season. That's a big rival. They've beaten them all three times they've played them. This has been an incredible storybook type season for Alabama. They certainly deserve that number two seed. I think they're the best two seed and I think they're going to the final four. That Drew is a bold call. I, you know, I really don't want to pump Drew's tires and you know, my bracket, I had mentioned this earlier, it could be busted within the first hour of March Madness. 
I'm looking at it right now in the Sweet 16. I do have Michigan facing Bama. Bama advancing to Elite Eight, then going to Final Four. That's where I have them at. Uh, but in order to get there, Drew, wh- who do you think is going to be Alabama's biggest task in this tournament? Well, I'm glad you asked, 2K, because I've thought about this a lot. And initially, when I saw UConn in the same bottom half of the bracket, I started freaking out. Now, keep in mind, I'm not an Alabama fan, but my job is more fun when they're winning. Like, let's just be honest. And so if Alabama goes to the Final Four, I'm going to be in Indianapolis for that. I'm not going to go to the first weekend because, you know, protocols are very tight with COVID. They're basically forming a bubble, and I understand that. But if they go to the final four, I think there's a good chance we're there. So, yes, I would prefer that Alabama makes it. Plus, it'd be good. I might win some cash money in my bracket. So that would be nice. Uh, but I saw UConn, and I, I was very nervous because UConn is a team that we know in the past 10 years has won two national championships when no one expected them to. You know, the Kemba year, they were a three seed, and they were really hot coming in. But when they were a seven with Shabazz and 14, like no one expected them to win the championship. And now here they are again as a seven seed with a guy in James Booknight who's got those Kemba Shabazz type qualities where he can really carry a team. They play great defense. That was a hallmark of that 2011 and 2014 team. Dan Hurley is a heck of a coach who, by the way, gave Nate Oates his start in college coaching. The story there is Dan Hurley was recruiting one of Oates' high school players, E.C. Matthews in Michigan. He ended up going to Rhode Island Dan said, hey, this guy, Nate Oates, is so legit. I'm going to call my brother, Bobby, who then got the job at Buffalo and said, hey, Nate, do you want a college coaching job? He became an assistant on the staff. Bobby goes to ASU. Nate becomes the head coach at Buffalo. And then the rest is history. Here we are. So you've got that whole storyline there if those two teams match up. Then you've got Texas, who just won arguably the toughest conference tournament to win. I know the Big Ten is amazing, but the top teams in the Big 12 are just as good as the top teams in the Big Ten. Texas goes through and wins that conference. They are smoking hot. This is all before they get to the the Elite Eight, guys. And then potentially you play a Michigan team, which I know I just kind of threw under the bus, but they are still dangerous. So it's a tough region. There's no doubt. I still like Bama to make it, but it's a tough region. It certainly will be. And when you look at this Alabama team, you have to talk about senior Herbert Jones as a leader. What do you think um, his role is going to be to help Alabama get to that point in the tournament? Herb is Mr. Everything. Yeah, every time, every time I watch that team, I'm more and more amazed because you can just watch him on every possession, just not even watch the ball. And you'll see all the things he does that don't show up in the box score, which I know is super cliche, but He'll do small things like he'll chip guys when it's, it's not really a screen, but like he'll chip them to give someone an open look. Uh, He'll box out. He'll do the things that make a coach love him. And I think ever since Oates got to Alabama before last season, he realized that Herb is going to be the guy like Herb is the culture changer. If Alabama is going to be really good, really quickly. So Herb bought in 100%. He is blue collar and that's Oates whole thing is blue collar mentality. And that's what Herb Jones is as a player. And it was really cool this year to see him be rewarded with all the awards because he's the type of player who doesn't go onto the floor thinking, how can I make Herb Jones look good today? How can I score today? How can I win an award today? That's the farthest thing from what he is. But ironically, it sort of ended up being what got him all these awards. You know, he's SEC player of the year. He's SEC defensive player of the year. If they're going to go deep, he's got to be the big reason. I mean, he's 6'9 and he plays point guard for them. They don't really have a traditional point guard in their starting five. He's also their leading rebounder. 
He's also their leading steals guy. They're leading blocks guy. They're leading assist guy. He won the SEC player of the year as the fourth leading scorer on his own team. Like that tells you everything you need to know. He's a great defender, great leader. If they're going deep, it's because of Herb Jones. And Drew, a, a couple of things that I want to touch on with you while we have you on the show. But first and foremost, Syracuse alum, they squeak into the tournament. What are your thoughts? Are you pulling for them? Do you see them making a run? Maybe Cinderella story? Take the floor. Well, I want to start, 2K, by asking your co-host, Alexis, what happened last time Syracuse was an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament? Do we know? Do we remember? I don't, you know, think we need to go mm. back to that. I think we can only look forward right now. Sure. So that, that's my thoughts on it. If you're keeping score at home, folks, that's twice I've brought up that 2018 game, and I'm just getting started. So um, Syracuse as an 11, no one wants to play them. I can guarantee you that. No one wants to play them. San Diego State, their first-round matchup is really good. I think they've won like 14 games in a row. Uh, they're Mountain West champs. Very strong program, very solid team. But Syracuse is playing pretty well at the moment, too. You know, I thought they were going to win the ACC tournament. They lose at the buzzer against Virginia, a team that then had their own COVID issues. I think if Syracuse wins that game, there's a good chance they win the ACC tournament. They're starting to put things together, and it's kind of what Syracuse does. You know, down the stretch of seasons, you think that they are dead in the water. Everyone says, no chance this team makes it. And then Jim Beheim resuscitates them like he's the undertaker. And then they make the tournament, and then they're dangerous. And, you know, a big reason why is they play the 2-3 zone, which is – it's very unique. You know, no one really plays that. Most teams are going to man-to-man you. And so you get in the tournament, and especially if you have one or two days to prepare – you're not going to be ready for the zone. I mean, it takes a completely different game plan offensively to beat Syracuse. So their defense isn't that great this year. They're actually more offensive heavy, which is very unique for a Bayheim team, but they're still good. And, you know, I'll be rooting for them. I mean, Bayheim's son, Buddy, is on the team. Like this, it would just be like a storybook thing if Syracuse made the Final Four. I'm not picking it, but I think there's a chance because I went there. So, of course, I do. I respect so you separating the bias, you, uh, you not being a homer. I do respect that. Alexis, anything you want to ask Drew while we're still here with him? I was just going to ask how confident he's feeling in his bracket, if you've filled one out yet. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I filled out, like, four of them the night of Selection Sunday. I geek about this stuff, guys. Like, it's – I mean, this is my Christmas, March Madness. So I filled out a bunch – and I don't feel confident. Not at all. Not at all. And I think if anyone feels really confident in their bracket, they're just lying to themselves. We all know every year what happens. I mean, the thing is going to be dumpster worthy by Friday night. So yes, I have some picks in there that I feel somewhat okay about, like UC Santa Barbara and Ohio, both winning and matching up in the round of 32. Uh, I feel pretty good about LSU making the Elite Eight which would set up potentially LSU Bama part four. I like USC to make the elite eight, but they're, here's the thing guys, just whatever I just said, just take it, delete it, throw it in the trash because I'm sure it's going to end up being super wrong. Make that really off the record. Cause I don't want anyone knowing my picks. I already did that before you told us to just <laughs> over my head forgotten. And Drew, I know you're a Southern boy now, but Minnesota roots, Minnesota born and raised, and then you left us. But I don't know how close you still follow the home state and your Golden Gophers here in the sweet state of Minnesota. But 
recent news, Patino ousted as head coach, not making the tournament with the Gophers. Now at New Mexico, do you have any thoughts about that situation? First of all, what a rebound for uh, little Richard there. New Mexico, do you think they were texting him like one minute after the breakup became official? I mean, my goodness. It sounded like it. Just a little breathing room there, Richard. <laughs> That's got I mean, I guess Minnesota was the one who dumped him, but still. You know, it's funny because there are a couple SEC coaches that um, Minnesota fans want. You know, Nate Oates is a name that he's really been more tied to Indiana because let's be honest, he's not leaving Alabama for Minnesota. Minnesota is probably like a slightly better job just because it's in a better basketball conference, but he's not leaving Alabama for Minnesota. Indiana is kind of a blue blood, so maybe but I don't think he's going anywhere. He just signed this big extension. He's got a very nice house in Tuscaloosa. I think he's staying. Uh, The SEC coach that people are really trying to tie, though, is Eric Musselman over at Arkansas, who did coach the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think, if I'm not mistaken, way back in the day. So he's got some Minnesota ties. It's just funny because Arkansas fans, like, are the most sensitive on Twitter. Every fan base has a few crazies, but Arkansas, I mean, they are 1,000% psycho so anything that happens with any arkansas program that they don't think is like they think people are disrespecting them or whatever they're gonna freak out so if you really want to if you want to see some angry people in your mentions just tweet like eric musselman minnesota because they have like notifications on their phone or something for musselman minnesota they're all freaking out Um, i don't know who minnesota's gonna hire but hopefully someone who can take that program where it deserves 2k and that's the final four let's get minnesota back in the final four Get Minnesota back in the final four. I like it. Drew Carter, thank you so much for being our first guest on Off the Record. And very rude of me to not give you the floor to really even introduce yourself (laughs) when we brought you on. So please, we're doing this backwards now. Tell people who you are, where they can find you, what you're doing, and take it away. This is your show now. Okay, great. So I'm from Minnesota, uh, right outside the Twin Cities. I now live in Alabama. I cover sports for the CBS affiliate in Birmingham, which means I'm in Alabama's market, the University of Alabama's market. So we do a lot of Alabama, a lot of Auburn coverage because we've got a lot of Auburn fans here as well. And so basically that has led me to become a huge bandwagon for Alabama this year. Um, Nate Oates, who I mentioned a billion times already, he was the coach at Buffalo when they beat us at Syracuse when I was a student there. And after the game, myself, my buddy, we went up to him and just said, hey, we love your style, like all the best this year. They were undefeated at the time. They beat Syracuse and he was the nicest dude ever. So when he got hired at Alabama, it's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to come down here and take this job. And so now a year and a half later, Nate Oates and the Crimson Tide of Alabama are a two seed in the NCAA tournament. And your boy is riding high right now. And I'm excited to cover this team. Uh, it's been great. I love living in Alabama, even though I do miss Minnesota and miss people like Kirsten Krull, uh, but it's been good so far. So yeah, that's me. Again, thank you so much for joining us today, Drew. Um, good luck with your bracket. Good luck to Alabama and go green. That's all I'll say. We'll see you in the final four, potentially, maybe in the national championship and then uh, maybe another 55-53 W for the 11 seated Qs. But thank you guys.
Welcome back to Off the Record March Madness Edition. And this could potentially be the most dramatic segment of the season of Off the Record thus far. And we're changing up our final thoughts, keeping it in the theme of the NCAA tournament. We're doing our final picks for the championship. Alexis, I'm gonna let you take the floor first. Who do you have in the national championship? All right, so I'm going Gonzaga in Illinois because they are the two teams right now that I think are playing the best out of all the college basketball that's going on. Hard to say, you know, they have to make it through a lot of rounds to get to that point. A lot of tough basketball in each of their regions, but I'm gonna have those two. And who's my winner? Well, I think I'm going to, I wanna say Illinois. I don't know if Gonzaga can do it all. I, I don't know, cause I still- You have, have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. decision. But I guess we'll go Illinois. We'll go Illinois. Illinois. Okay, I can respect that, but again, I'm the complete opposite of you. And I need to defend myself because I know what the haters are gonna say. I pick my bracket. Again, like we had mentioned in the start of the show, I pick my bracket based off gut instincts and upsets. I love March Madness because I cheer for the upsets. So, to no surprise, with that being said, my national championship is Creighton taking on Loyola. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh, but <laughs> my bracket could go so wrong. Do you oh, know who wow. my national champion is? Creighton. Wow. Creighton, wow. you're winning okay. it all. Creighton fans, you're gonna want to be Kirsten's friend. <laughs> I'm, hey, you guys are either gonna really respect me and I'll be a genius, or I'm gonna just be crazy and you're gonna just write me off after this. <laughs> but please, yes, Creighton fans, welcome to the club. I'm on, I'm on your team this season. So, Creighton. <laughs> and you can find us on Twitter at OTR Sports Talk. Tweet at us. Let us know who your picks are. Uh, if your team loses, you know, sorry. we I don't know if we picked them or not, but come to us about your basketball thoughts. We want to know how you picked your brackets, too. Um, this has been a fun episode. Lot, like I've been saying, a lot to break down, a lot to look forward to. But I, I'm excited for the madness to get started. I am too, and I'm, a, I'm nervous. I have a lot on the line. My pride is on the line. It's all on this piece of paper. But yes, the madness begins, and I cannot wait. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this special edition of Off the Record. Again, subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave a great review on our podcast channels on Spotify and iTunes. A five-star rating and review, please, is preferred. But I guess if you hate us too, you can leave that one star. But just let us know why. <laughs> let us know why you decide to hate us. But because that's all she wrote for today's episode. On behalf of Alexis Downey, I'm Kirsten Kroll. And we will see you guys next week.